You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Chen. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. Thank you. You may be seated. As a believer in Jesus Christ, there should be a desire in your heart to be dedicated to Him. That has been the series over these past Over the past month now, it has been an invitation to dedication. May I remind us this morning that when Jesus purchased you with his own blood, he purchased all of you, every single bit of you. Now, friend, let me tell you, if you are here this morning and you do not know Jesus as your Savior, there's still some blood left for you. There is still room at the cross for you. The blood that Jesus shed for me, he shed for you. The blood that washed away my sin, there's a lot of it. The blood that Paul talked about washed away his sin as the chiefest of sinners can still wash away yours today. Because the blood of Jesus is free to everybody. And it's available for everybody and it will never lose its power. What a wonderful thing. Do you see how filthy and vile your sin is? You realize if you washed your soul... In the Pacific Ocean, you'd make the ocean dirty. But just one drop of Jesus' blood, and you'll be whiter than snow. But when, when you are saved, when Jesus becomes your Savior, once you are washed by that blood of Jesus, you will desire to live for him. It's It's that simple. You will desire to live for him. I've heard people tell me, Pastor, once I clean up my life, I will come to Jesus. My answer is, sinner, come to Jesus and he'll clean up your life. You will desire to give your all to the one who gave his all for you. There will be that desire. James put it this way, even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. True faith in Jesus will always bring action. And it's unfortunate, but the world today, and churches too, are filled, they're filled with people who call Jesus Lord, but have no interest in doing what he tells them to do. And Jesus' question is, why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? That doesn't happen when you're a Christian. Remember, there is no such thing as an undedicated Christian. To be a Christian is to be dedicated. Christian is not a title that we earn, or Christian is not a title that is given at salvation. It's something that is earned through dedication. Those people were first called Christians at Antioch because they reminded other people of Jesus. Can the same be said for us? Do you know Jesus as your Savior? Has Jesus' blood washed away your sin personally? Has it, washed, has it washed away your sin? For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, that's a wonderful verse. That means anybody can be saved, but unfortunately that doesn't mean everybody will be saved. You need to come to that personal knowledge of Jesus. But if you are saved, is Jesus getting all he paid for? That is the main question of this series. Is Jesus getting all he paid for when he purchased your soul? When you said, Lord, redeem me, I don't want to go to hell when I die. I want to go to heaven and be with you forever. And he said, I will apply my blood to your life. Is he getting everything he paid for or are you holding back? 
Are we living a dedicated life for Christ? Do we wish to live a dedicated life for Christ? Perhaps at this moment we would have to say, no, I'm not dedicated to him. Do you wish to be dedicated to him? Don't you wish for the Lord to have all of you? Every bit of you. Well, then what does it say in verse 22? If you want to be dedicated to the Lord, stop drawing near to the world stop and start drawing near to the Lord. Continually, let us draw near to God. What does 23 say? Stop holding back and start holding fast. Stop wavering and start trusting. Verse 24, what we saw last week, stop considering only yourself and start considering one another. And verse 25, stop forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. I expected it to be a little bit quiet. But I am going, this is a problem. This is a problem today. People's attitude towards church is a problem today. We have too many people missing church. And the problem is when you start missing church, you stop missing church. There is no dedication without continuation. Do you agree with that? Drawing near to the Lord, nearer today than yesterday. We agree with that. There is no dedication without conviction to find out what the Bible says, to believe that if that is what the Bible says, then that is true, and I will live my life according to that truth. Do we believe that? There's no dedication without that. There's no dedication without consideration, considering one another, that we're going to need help. There's going to be times when we grow a little bit dull, and we need to be sharpened, and that's why we need one another. Well, then we have to agree with this. There is no dedication without congregation. And the Bible isn't just talking about any old type of congregation. It's not talking about a social club. It's not talking about a, a bridge club. It's not talking about anything else. It is talking about the local, visible, New Testament, separated, Bible-believing, Bible-preaching, standard-upholding, falsehood-denying, truth-defending church. Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my ecclesia. That means called out assembly. This invitation to dedication, God is clearly telling his children, don't forsake church. If you want to be dedicated, don't forsake church. Now, I have four points today, so let's go ahead for it. Number one, the call to congregation. First, there's the call to congregation. Then I'm going to talk about the attack on congregation. Then I'm going to talk about the blessings of congregation. And it's all under the umbrella of, number four, the importance in congregation. But number one, the call to congregation, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. There is a horrible, sinful, widespread lie in the world today. And it bothers me. Now, I know a lie when I hear one. Sorry, son, the ice cream truck only plays music when the ice cream is gone. That's a lie. Dad, that's a lie. Found that out last week. You can keep your doctor. <laughs> I didn't see the speed limit sign, doc or officer. I didn't see it. Did you hear about that one lady? She got pulled over on I-95 
going 100 miles an hour. And the officer said, lady, it's a 65 mile per hour zone. And she said, no, the sign back there said 95. He said, ma'am, it's I-95, it's Interstate 95. And she said, man, I'm glad you didn't catch me on Interstate 130. I know a lie when I see one. I don't know who ate all your fudge rounds, dear. I don't know. Here's a lie from you straight out of hell itself. You can love Jesus and hate church. That is a lie. A preacher once says, the Bible is the story of God seeking a bride for his son. That's what the Bible is about. God seeking a bride for his son. The church is the bride of Christ. Brother Luke, I love you. You've done a lot for me. I, you've helped me. You've encouraged me. I want to grow closer to you. But I hate your wife. <laughs> now, how do you think Brother Luke is going to react? He's laughing right now. But how, how do you think, if I was sincere, how do you think Brother Luke's going to feel about that? I'm scared now. I'm joking. And I'm scared now. I'm more scared of Miss Leanne than I am Brother Luke. I don't wish to stand before an almighty God one day and explain to him why I forsook the church that he sent his son to die for. The church is the bride of Christ. God calls every believer to assemble together at church, in church. The Bible says Jesus is the head of the body, the church. Skip a little further. That in all things he might have the preeminence. You cannot make Jesus preeminent and forsake the church. That's why God calls everybody to it. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. So let's talk about the attack on congregation. Evidently, there's people among these believers who are beginning to forsake church. And those people's lack of faithfulness was beginning to affect others. And church, I said this last week, and I'm going to say it again. We are a body. We're a body. And when even one part of the body isn't faithful or refuses to get involved or is constantly going the opposite direction of the rest of the body, the whole body suffers. You realize before every service, I sit up here and I look for you. You. Insert your name. You. I look for you. I want you to know something personally from me, from my heart. Your faithfulness pleases God. Do you realize how much value God places on faith? Most men will declare their own goodness, but a faithful man, who can find? He says, when I come back, will I find faith on the earth? Your faithfulness pleases God. Your faithfulness helps the church. Your faithfulness blesses my heart. Your unfaithfulness displeases God. It hurts the church, and it wearies my heart. Do you know how many times I've sat up here 
or I've, I've sat in my study, and sure, I, I don't want to just do these cookie-cutter messages. That would be a lot easier on me. I could just go online, or I could read a book and just write down a one, two, three thing. You know, the, the purpose, the plan, the pointlessness. I could, I could easily do that. But I don't want that. I think about you. I think about you. When you come up to me and say, Pastor, I'm carrying this burden, I think about that. And I pray about that. I have a directory on my desk and in my bag. And when I'm studying through, many times I open up that directory and I'm thinking, how can this help Riley? How can this help Christian? How can this help Brother Roy and Miss Cindy Keith? How can this help the teenagers? And I come up here and I sit and I look out and sometimes you're not there. Now, please don't get me wrong. I know there are times that you can't always be here. But when you can be here, be here. Because church, if we all have the idea, if we all have the belief that we can miss church and no one will miss us, the day will come when nobody comes. You are needed. You're important. Don't let the devil sit on your shoulder and say, well, I'm not the eye, I'm not the ear. You can live without an ear. You can live without an eye. What am I doing here if I don't have someone to preach to? How am I supposed to lead if there's nobody to follow? Ever since church began, there has been attack upon the importance of congregation. Some of the people just stopped assembling. Now, I don't know their reasoning, but I am guessing, because humans are humans, that some of the reasons that they had are the same reasons that we have today. Fear of persecution. Maybe they stopped coming because they were fearful of persecution. Persecution from the Jews or family or friends. But whoever or wherever that persecution would come from, perhaps they weren't willing to pay the price that church attendance would bring. We live in a, if it's free, it's for me society. I will go, I will participate in, and I will enjoy church as long as it's convenient for me. But the second it costs me anything, I'm out. We're like Shark Tank. I'm out, I'm out, I'm out. Let me tell you one reason I enjoy church. And I'm going to preface this by saying it doesn't make a lot of sense. But let me, let me tell you one reason I enjoy church. Every time I come, I get something out of it. That is why I enjoy church. That's specifically why I enjoy our church. Because unfortunately, I have gone to churches where I got nothing. Every time I come, I get something out of it how Brother Rusty prays or how Brother Danny preaches before song number three every single time or a, a conversation with you or one of you come up and say, I'm, I'm praying for you or I, I've made this decision or the Lord answered my prayer this last week. I, I get something out of it. But a bigger reason I enjoy church is because every time I come, I'm able to give something to it. And I'm not just talking about financially. And here's where I... I it doesn't make sense unless you've experienced it yourself. Church certainly provides, it, provides me with much. But I have found I love church more for what it costs me than what it gives to me. 
Paul said, I will gladly spend and be spent for you. But maybe it was fear of persecution that they just stopped coming. Maybe it was doubts of necessity. All I need is TBN. I don't need to go to church. T.D. Jakes is my pastor. Call T.D. Jakes when your loved one is on their deathbed. T.D. Jakes isn't losing sleep over you. Your pastor is. All I need is Sunday morning. I don't need any more. You need more than Sunday morning. Church, I'm your, I'm your pastor. If you went to the doctor and he said, you need to take your medication more than just once a week. You need to take it this many times. You would listen to that doctor who practices medicine. I'm supposed to watch for your spiritual health and I am telling you, I'm begging you, you need more than one. You need more than one. And I would understand if you could look back at me and say, Pastor, you're not giving me enough. I will do better. I'll do better. I'll feed you more. I'll do more study. Tell me what I need to do. And I will do it. But you need more than one. All I need is my personal study. I don't need church. I hear that a lot. Tell me, what are you going to do when you reach Hebrews 10.25 in your personal study? We must know better than God because when we tell God we don't need the church, he says in Hebrews 10.25, actually you do. You need the church. Maybe it was inconvenience. Maybe it was inconvenient for them to go to church. There's a story when Solomon passes away and his son Rehoboam takes over. And then Jeroboam comes up to him and they get in their spat and the kingdom splits. But then Jeroboam runs into a problem. Jeroboam takes 10 tribes up north. But the temple is still in Jerusalem. So Jeroboam is thinking, wait a second, if even just once a year on the Day of Atonement, my people in the northern kingdom start going down to the southern kingdom, and they have to in order to worship at the temple, what if they defect? What if they leave? What if they want to merge again and I lose my authority? So you know what he tells to his people? He says these exact words. It is too much for you to go to Jerusalem. It's too much. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make two golden calves. I'm going to put one in Dan and I'm going to put one in Bethel. I'm going to make it more convenient for you. Don't worry about spending all that time and exerting yourself to go all the way down to Jerusalem, just worship here. God, I love you, but church is too much. You know, I'm so glad that when Jesus was dying for the church, he never said it was too much. He suffered through false accusations they set up false witnesses against him, and he never said, whoa, 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 I draw the line there. But Sunday night's too much. They beat him. They spit upon him. They mocked him. He never said, all right, that's enough. 
but Wednesday night's too much for us. I've heard that in that foyer. Wednesday night's just, that's, that's too much. He was tortured. He was tortured for you. Stripes above measure. On his back, on his chest, on his legs, on his face. And he could have called 12 legions of angels at any point. And he never said, this is too much. And we say serving in church is too much. Or giving to church is too much. When they nailed him to the cross, he never said it was too much. When they mocked him, he never said it was too much. We get annoyed when sermons go a little bit long. He hung on the cross for you for six hours. And he never said it was too much. He said, Father, forgive them. Maybe they stopped coming to church because of frustration with other people. I don't go to church anymore because so-and-so mistreated me. Let me help you with something, church. People will fail you. People will let you down. There is going to come a day when I will let you down. Where I will mishandle a situation. Where I will be short with you when I shouldn't be short with you. When I will be harsh with you when I shouldn't be harsh with you. There will come a day when I let you down. People will offend you. People will hurt you. But are people the reason we come to church? Then why would we forsake church for people? We don't leave our job because of people. Now, I have heard of some horrible situations where people are forced out of their church. They cannot stay, and what a shame that that is. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, I'm leaving because James did this, and I'm going to... Have you ever noticed there's a first Baptist in every town, and then right across town there's a second Baptist? You know what that is? That's the split off a of first Baptist. And I'm not, I'm not going to this church anymore because James and Daniela did this, 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 and that. I'm going to that church over there. Guess what? James and Daniela are at that church too. Now, it's a different name, but they're there too. We hold fast. We go to church because of the Lord. Whatever their reasoning was, God had the same answer for all of them. Stop forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. Stop it. Just because that's the manner of some doesn't mean that that's what you have to do. Parents, have you ever told that when your kids come up to you and say, but everyone else has one, and you say, you're not everybody else. You're a Che, congratulations. My, my dad would always do that. Dad, everyone else has Yahoo Messenger. Or AOL chat. Everyone else has it. And he goes, you're not everyone else. Is your name Johnny everyone else? You wonder where I get my sarcasm from. Just because everyone else does it doesn't make it right. I remember one time riding with my, with my aunt. And there's a, we're at a stoplight. And there's someone in front of us. And there's a huge sign there that says, no turn on red but the person in front turns on red. And so my aunt said, oh, 
Well, he did it. So she turns on red. Woo! And the officer came up. Ma'am, what are you doing? Well, the person in front of me turned, so I just thought I would turn. And I'll never forget what he said. He said, ma'am, did anybody ever tell you don't follow people when they're wrong? I think that was worse than the ticket that she got. And I'm in the back. <laughs> That's some truth that that officer was laying down. Don't follow people when they're wrong. Don't follow me when I'm wrong. Look back at me and say, nope. Follow me as I follow Christ. If I'm not following Christ, I am worth nothing to you. You know, physically speaking, physically speaking, there are a lot of good reasons to forsake church. And if we're not careful, we start listening to the forsakers. Because they say, you know, on Sunday I'm able to get so much work done for the week. And we start thinking, I could use that. I could get a lot of work done throughout the week. You know, I would rather go in on Monday physically unprepared, but spiritually repaired. I don't want to go into Monday physically prepared, but spiritually unrepaired. They say, hey, I never miss a game. I like my sports. They say, oh, I get to spend my day with, my day with the family. That's a good point. You know, family time is important. I work a side job and I make some extra money. Well, I could use some extra money. I get caught up on sleep. Sold! <laughs> I can't not prove this to you with words. You're just going to have to put it to the test. And I challenge you, one month, don't miss any church. One month. Give the Lord one month of not missing any church. And here's what you will see. Any physical blessings that come from forsaking church cannot compare to the spiritual blessings that come from assembling together. How many of you are starting fires right now in your house? Like not in your house, but in the fireplace? We, we lit a fire for the first time in our house since the two years that we've been there and the kids were just watching and they were mesmerized by it. And even McKenna said at one point, why can't I stop looking at it? I love those coals, how the coals just, just glimmer with the red and orange. It's just incredible to me. But do you notice that if one of those coals falls away from the rest of the coals, it'll grow cold and it will die out. But you can take that same cold coal and put it right back in and it'll start glowing again. Don't be surprised when you grow cold when we're missing congregation. The church should be a fire. You should come ready to go. When you leave, let's save the world. You should want to do something for the Lord. That's what church should do. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. It's the blessings of congregation. To exhort means to strongly encourage, to urge somebody. Now this is an obvious echo to verse 24 when it says to provoke one another. 
provoke one another unto love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. The church is where the Christian is exhorted. The church is an armory for the soldier. It's a hospital for the broken. It's a harbor from the storms of the world. It's a fortress to protect our children. It's a college for the Bible student. It's a breath of fresh air in a dirty world. It's a place where you can be encouraged and urged to do what's right, not what's wrong. It's a place where you can be sharpened after a dulling day. A place where you can be given Bible answers to your earthly questions. A place where you can be rebuked in love after a sinful decision, not to condemn you, but to restore you. A place where you can be challenged to love the Lord with all your heart and soul and mind. A place where you can be reminded that God can use you. And that God wants to use you and God will use you if you would just trust and obey him. Find those blessings at a club. Find those blessings at a golf course. Find those blessings at a resort or a sports arena. Find those blessings on a fishing boat. Find those blessings in a bottle. Find those blessings on a couch watching some church somewhere. Find those blessings in a feel-good, all-sugar, no-salt, watered-down, come-as-you-are, leave-as-you-came, truth-hiding, man-pleasing, sin-excusing, gospel-changing, music-blasting, standard-hating, opinion-giving, ear-scratching with a coward of a so-called pastor who says, Thus saith the Lord, when the Lord hath not said anything. Church. Good luck. That's not a church. That's an entertainment center. Church is an assembly of believers who have been called out from the world to live differently than the world so that we can reach the world. The church is the pillar and ground of the truth. And when the church refuses to uphold its responsibility to guard the truth, we fail. We fail to become a church for the Savior. We become a crutch for sinners not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. When we simply do what God has called us to do, God blesses. He blesses individually. He blesses corporately. But exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching, the importance of congregation. How, how important is church? I can tell you this. It's more important today than it was yesterday. It's going to be more important tonight than it was this morning. Because every single moment that passes is one moment less to share the gospel with a dying world. It is one moment less to be encouraged to go out into this mission field that God has given us so that we can reap the harvest, the white harvest that is ready for us. And think about this with me. If church wasn't important, God wouldn't have called us to it. If church wasn't important, people wouldn't be attacking it. If church wasn't important, there wouldn't be blessings, spiritual blessings attached to it. And ask yourself this question. If church was important to these people almost 2,000 years ago, if he's telling them 2,000 years ago, so much the more as you see the day approaching, what about us? Do we wish to live a dedicated life for Christ? You're going to need these spiritual truths in your life. Continuation, conviction, consideration, Congregation. Now, I want you to see how they all work together here, okay? Work backwards with me. Why do we come to church? 
Why do we have church? We have church so that we can be sharpened, so that we can be provoked. That is where the exhorting happens. We come to church because that is where we are encouraged and urged to do right. It is where we consider one another to provoke unto love and good works because we are gonna have dulling days. We are gonna have dulling times and if we're just off on our own, we're gonna get tired. You know how encouraging it is when you come to church and realize, okay, I'm not alone in this. I'm not alone in this. Because we need to consider one another during those weak times so that we can hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering because we need to hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering if we will ever hope to draw near to the Lord. Do you see how that all works together? So we cannot be surprised, I feel so far away from the Lord, when we're not in church. Because if we're going to draw near to the Lord, God says, well, you're going to need some convictions. And if you're going to hold on to those convictions, you need people around you who will lift up your hands when you're tired. And that happens in church. That happens in church. And right now, if the devil is saying, well, you can get those in other places, the Lord never designed any other place to give you those things. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.